eight. Oh. <laughs> We're bringing the count into the episode. Oh, damn. The mystery becomes more and more crumbling away. The... <laughs> uh, it's good to be here. It's good to hear your voice. How are you, Joe? I'm doing all right. You know, I just went to the shops out in Melton, probably one of the worst places on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just horrendous. It's one of the worst design shopping centers I've ever been to. Wow. So... Sorry, what are you, what are you no, going there for? Uh, 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 <laughs> and we're off. We're off to the races. We've landed. Uh, we um, were getting some um, Jamie's mum's birthday gift. Her birthday actually falls on the same day as mine. Um, oh, so which is very soon. It's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the we're getting some stuff for Jamie's mum, and then we got some other random stuff. Yeah, just, you know, just the normal thing you do when you go out. But yeah, yes, I try, it... try to avoid that place like the plague. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, those those places tend to attract the plague, so that's yeah. probably a fitting um, metaphor. There's always someone's child just, like, open mouth coughing into the air and like, it's, like, the most <laughs> horrendous old man dying on his deathbed death rattle cough you've ever heard in your life. And you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, i got to walk past this child now. And I mean, do. that's... That's just that Aussie shopping center texture, you know, like yeah. the Christmas jingles in October, the coughing dying child. It's all, it's all part of the fanfare. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was like some song on the, um, whatever came out radio or whatever. And it was something along the lines of the lyrics where it doesn't get be- any better than this. The lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like. You know, droning, not droning, like whining, you know, it's so hard to, to just, you know, bask in that ambience is, is really quite a challenge for me personally. Yeah. That's, that's an incredible stretch of the word ambience right there. Yeah. 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 What's the opposite of ambience? (laughs) Don't ask my brain to work right away. Like give me a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll come back to you. I'm going to start having um, ChatGPT open during the pod. I oh, just no. So, just no. so. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. I, I like my keyboard is up against the wall. I physically oh, yeah. cannot interact with my computer while we record. Well, that's probably for the best. I probably should do that too. But I like to know sometimes. You no, know. no. You got you to gotta let sleeping dogs lie, Joe. Sleeping Dogs, game I never played. Game you played though, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I I had a housemate that was really into Sleeping Dogs and That's every right. now and again I'd wrestle the controller from them and just, you know, go and tackle some pedestrians and beat them up. Um, yeah, but I, I actually have not played the story of Sleeping Dogs. But, like, speaking of atmosphere or ambience or whatever word you used before, mm. that, sh- that shit was there in Sleeping Dogs. Pretty, pretty cool vibes in that game. Yeah, totally. Um, but how have you been? How have you been? Um, yeah, I've been good. I've been uh, trucking along this week. I tell you what, I picked up a game. I picked up a game. Every 
every now and again you um, recommend a game to me and it just goes in this little vault and I, I never forget the games you recommend. They just oh, sit great. in that vault until I see them, like they finally get a Switch port or they go on sale or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the Switch, Inscription was on sale. Oh, boy. Dude, this this game is so fucking good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it is... It's got that... It's just got all the right spices that I love mm-hmm. in... I know. A video game dish. Yes, it's, yes. Oh, it's like got the intrigue and the creepiness and the card game road rogue like. Yeah, just just sneak in there with a bit of weird card game bullshit. But oh man, I'm having I'm having a great time. I like beat the final boss yesterday. Yeah, and, yeah. Um. Something happened. Yeah, some really cool shit happens that I don't want to say just in case people haven't played it. Because, like, this is the epitome of know nothing. Just start playing the game. Totally. So much fun, like, uncovering anything and learning new things. And yeah, it's just, there's a lot of what the fuck moments in Inscription. Yeah. That game, I think I told the story, but I'll I'll retell it briefly, was like, I I was recommended it, or I saw that it was good, and I was like, oh, whatever, it's it's El Cheapo on Steam, I'll grab it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and I was like, oh, I'll just play for, you know, 10, 20 minutes, and then I'll go to bed. And it was like (laughs) three and a half, four hours later, (laughs) because that game just grabs you by the guts and just, like, holds you at, like, you know, gazes into your eyes and doesn't let go for a while absolutely Um, yeah very very cool ambience and atmosphere you were right good segue right there (laughs) um and so yeah i I just been playing a lot of that really enjoying my time and just mate can we talk about the fucking (laughs) tutorial the tutorial in that game is godlike like Mm. it's it's fun right it's just playing the game but you also learn how to play it and like I know games have like a certain level of complexity and once they surpass that level, then the tutorial really needs to have a lot of writing and like you need to learn that shit. But I feel like for the most part, games fuck up the tutorial and like you don't feel like you're playing a video game for the first hour. You feel like you're going back to fucking high school or something. And man, this game just gets you playing the game in the first second and it just doesn't let go. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um yeah and the way it sort of like shows you stuff and then changes the rules around a little bit you know it's like oh now you've discovered this thing it's you're ready for this next part of the mechanics it just <laughs> yeah, it does yeah. does it in such a great in world way where it's not like you know here's the baby version of the game it's not, it doesn't tell <laughs> it doesn't say it to you like that but that's what it is you know it's like i'm going to let you win basically the first few yeah um, but yeah, yeah. anyway yeah, extremely good shit. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't planning on it, but maybe we can talk about it a little bit later because it does a lot of shit we're going to talk about later on in today's episode. Oh, all um, right. But yeah, also been chipping away at that pyre, but uh, yeah, that's oh, it. That's it for I, me. Yeah, I started pyre last night. Oh, cool. Cool, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, you, I, you... I'm not sure what to think. Yeah. It's it's gonna be one hell of an episode, let me tell you that much. Yeah. Um yeah. are you playing on PC? No, I'm playing on PlayStation 5. Oh, okay. Um well the PlayStation 4 version of the game that runs on PlayStation 5. Yeah, sweet. 
Yeah. So anyway, um, I guess I've got some chicken out the back. Do you want to maybe open your mouth and I'll put some in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, load me up, sunshine. All right. Oh, I'm not, I should have, I should have ready myself before I do that. Um, <laughs> okay. Hold up. Hold up. We got some stuff. Um, ah. So first piece of news. Um, and this is an indie game that I've, that sort of showed up on my peripheries a few weeks ago and it's out now. Oh. Um, I haven't played it yet, but it looks great. Um, it's called Dredge. Speaking Dredge. of weird atmospheric indie titles that sort of come out of nowhere, but grab a lot of people's attention. Dredge is a horror fishing game. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Interesting. It's so you drive around like a little shipping vessel and you've got like a Resident Evil style inventory grid management thing where you have to like, you know, place the fish in the boat at a certain angle and different fish take up different shapes, like Tetris, you know? Oh, sick. Um, there's a little fishing mini game and there's also a bunch of, um, you know, horror mixed in there apparently. I've been purposefully avoiding looking at too much video footage of this game mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. just because I don't want to have the little scary spoiled for me, but it looks, um, it's sort of got a bit of like a Firewatch aesthetic. It's got that kind of Toon Shadery oh. vibe. Yeah. 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 So that's Dredge. Go on, yeah. uh, check it out if you, if you would like and report back. That's a tasty chicken wing. I, mm. um, I love a bit of wacky genre blend bullshit going on in my game. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, I should probably also say uh, it's out on the Switch, PlayStation 4, 5, Xbox One, Series X, Windows PC, and the Steam Deck. Um, so it was also developed by a studio. <laughs> <laughs> this was obviously all pre-prepared information. Black Salt Games. Um, yeah, debut game by the studio called Black Salt Games. Oh, debut. Yeah, so their first little paddling, dipping of their salty toe into the ocean of the mm -hmm. um, Anyway, moving hastily along, uh, the next chicken is ready for your oh my God. consumption. I don't know what this energy is this week. <laughs> no, you're just bringing, like, monotone financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> is that what comes across as? Okay, good. <laughs> monotone financial advice. Okay, yep. <laughs> um, it is th speaking of financial advice, Resident Evil 4 Remake gets a bunch of microtransactions and oh, a mercenary fuck. DLC. So, oh, I saw God. this, I saw this this morning. It's so weird. I, I guess apparently Capcom have done this before. Um, but basically, it's got the Mercenaries DLC, which is a free DLC, which lets you, um, uh, play through the game as more of like a score attack. So you'll do certain levels and try to get a high score. Um, uh, it yep. gives you like, you know, different weapons and you can kind of, you know, play, play the game slightly differently. It's, it's sort of unrelated to the, to the main thrust of the game. It's just mm -hmm. a bit of, bit of extra RE if you want it, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never played the, um, those modes in these games. I always thought they didn't really fit the vibe. You know, it's like a spooky horror game with some schlocky atmosphere, you know, whatever. Mm. It's not really... I don't get arcade. Um, maybe maybe there's a little bit of arcadiness in there, but it's not not for me. Anyway, right. And so, have you finished this remake yet? No, but I'm getting close. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I've been savoring it. I've yeah, mm -hmm. been savoring every last drippity drop. Um, you, you savored it too long. 
<laughs> I know, right up to the point where they added DLC. Um, <laughs> so these, the paid part though, are these tickets that they're selling called um, weapon exclusive upgrade tickets. Oh boy. Which is really weirdly named. Um, you can get uh, one for $2.99, a three pack for 60, oh, sorry, $6.99 and a five pack for $9.99. And basically what they do is in the game, there's a weapon upgrade system where you pay money to upgrade your weapon. Um, you upgrade it to a certain point and then you can like spend a, a heap of money to give it like the ultimate upgrade, mm -hmm. which, um, which sort of gives you a bonus. So most of the upgrades that you do are like here, hey, here's a firepower bonus. Here's like a, um, a reload time bonus. Mm -hmm. uh, once you get to the end of that chain, it's like, oh, now you can spend 80,000 or whatever it is, some huge amount of money um, to get like a multiplier to the headshot bonus. It just gives you a little, little bit extra right. um, bonus stat. Anyway, th the thing that they're selling this ticket basically just instantly upgrades the weapon to full and gives you that stat. Right. Um, and this, this item actually already exists in the game for free and you can buy it for in-game currency, which is called spinels, which you do by doing like mini mini quests or mm -hmm. like mini missions, I guess, um, which are stuff like go and kill three rats, find all the blue medallions, stuff right. if you feel like, you know, staying in a level for a bit longer, it's kind of fun to go and do those things to get just to get the spinels. But sure, I've, I've done maybe 50% of them through the game and I haven't been able to afford buy, to buy one of these tickets yet. Um, right. Though I'm getting close. Wow. Right. So, so yeah. really, really weird. Couple of things here, right? Like, mm. this game just came out. This game came out like a week ago. Yeah, I know. Uh, and one one thing I saw surrounding this was like, kind of like a review score dodge, yeah. where they release it like they release the microtransaction component of the game mm. after all the reviews are out. Um, which is like pretty slimy, but really smart business sense. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't know about Capcom. I don't know what their go is. I'm glad they make some cool games, but this, yes, is very slimy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, this fucking sucks. But again, yeah. just if you look at video games as a vessel for making money, this is what you would do to make more money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's like, it's also yeah again it's not like it's um it's it, it oh wow my brain just broke um, <laughs> the point that you made about it being a review dodge is correct it's also a capitalization on the success right it's like hey we've got all of this you know people that have bought this game there's bound to be some whales in there let's just toss a bunch of plankton out and see what comes up right um, it's yeah. kind of the vibe that i get from it so and and have you played the game since this update has been live no i haven't um but maybe it has been live and i just haven't noticed right because that that would be amazing because what really shits me about games that are predominantly you know a single player experience but they have microtransactions is just that you're playing the game like you're looking at the map or you're at the bench upgrading your gear and there's all these ads and like oh, you know yeah. like if if now you go to the resident evil upgrade bench or whatever it is in this game and like every time you go to upgrade there's like ads and you know use real money to buy this it's like that fucking oh, sucks especially yeah. in like an atmospheric horror game dude i will let you know um so last time i booted up the game normally what happens is like i i click on the game on my playstation it just like instantly opens and returns me to where i was like it's like a you know paused thing 
Yeah. But this time when I opened it, I think it was like last night or the night before, it like took me back to the opening screen. Um, and there was a pop-up for um, the Mercenaries DLC, which mm-hmm. was fine. It was just like right there. You click it mm-hmm. once, it goes away. Um, but there wasn't anything else. And there wasn't anything in the in-game shop where you normally like buy your upgrades to your guns and stuff. So maybe Interesting. not in the game. Um, though I will let you know next time I play. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very keen to hear how they implemented that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how they, how they get you to do it anyway. Um, so yeah, there's that piece of rotten news for a game that I really enjoyed that now is (laughs) trying to sell me things. (laughs) It's a full price game anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Look, it's definitely, it's definitely a tarnishing of the experience when developers yeah. do shit like that or maybe not developers but publishers i guess would be in charge of that kind of thing right yeah i don't know i, I is capcom self-published were they self-published i don't know i'm not sure i'm sorry i forgot we don't come here to learn please carry on yeah let me just ask chat no i'm joking um, <laughs> uh speaking of definitely slash when you said definitely i thought of the word destiny um <laughs> Well, we are all segues tonight, baby. Oh, it's so smooth. It's it's going down like a stick of butter. Um, (laughs) The Destiny 2 DLCs, all of them, apart from the current new one, whatever it's called, like Lightfall or some shit, are Mm -hmm. all on sale for 50%. So you can grab the pack 50% off instead of like $80. It's like $40. So. That's right. We were bitching about that last week. So we there's, there's no need to use a VPN and buy that shit from Turkey. You yeah, can just it's just cheaper now. Local video game store. Yep, yep. Just on the whatever it is. Um, Steam is where I got it. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I uh, got some more news here. Beefy news. Um, this is another No Man's Sky piece of news. Oh, fuck, yeah. I mean, like, we haven't uh, played No Man's Sky in a while, right? Like, when's the last time oh, you played baby. it? Oh, baby. I'm so excited to go back. A long time ago. A year and <laughs> yeah. a half, something like that. Yeah, same. And I, I love that we haven't played it in fucking ages and we're still just like, yeah, No Man's Sky content. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, No Man's Sky Interceptor is uh, the largest new update in recent memory, it called, uh, says this article. Um so yeah, there's there's a bunch of new stuff here. The Sentinels have a corruption on them, and they're stronger and have better AI. Mm. Um, there's new ships to find and collect, new missions, um, a new weapon called the Hijacked Laser, and a unique backpack called the Aeron Turbojet. Um, heaps of new stuff in there, as always. There's you know all the customary stuff that you get with these No Man's No Man's Sky DLCs. You know, like new missions and base changes and extra little bits and bobs changes that they make to the universe that's so, yeah. so sick yeah um i'm keen to go back in on no man's sky i watched the little trailer for this and i was like man give me a space game i want space right now <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's one of the good ones yeah for sure um and then there's one more piece of news which is not the link didn't save give me one sec i mean i got i got Wait, what do we call them? I got bag chips here. I got bag chips. chips. I got bags. I got lots of them. All right, I'll, I'll do my last piece of news and then you can hit me with those bag chips. Hell yeah. This is a pretty small piece of news. Um, so over 4,000 EVE Online players clashed overnight. Um, EVE Online, didn't know people were still playing this game, but speaking of space what, games. What is this game? It's an MMO. Space okay. game MMO. Uh, mm-hmm. 
So this, the title of the article is in X 47L-Q over a trillion ISK lost in 14 hours. ISK is the in-game currency. Bro, um, you are speaking a different language right now. I know, I know. There's some cool photos of the space battle happening. As always, you get like cool screenshots whenever there's a big space battle in EVE Online. Mm. Um, the Yeah, so basically the space battle took place over nine hours. Over 2,500 ships were lost. A lot of in-game currency was lost, and uh, I don't really know the outcome of this. But I always, I, I always like reporting on this stuff because it's like, like talking and thinking about this stuff because it's like, I don't know, so cool. These people spend so much time in this game, and every now and then it like boils to the surface, and there's a big war, and everyone hears about it. <laughs> like I love totally. that. That's, <laughs> That's fucking so cool. awesome, yeah. and it's it's really kind of like in our consciousness because we dreamed of that shit as kids right we were like oh yeah. imagine if we could all play this game and we all had a like a house or a spaceship or a planet and like yeah yeah that's that's cool as hell yeah um and that's it that's all the news i got for you hit me with the bag chip hell yeah i got i got a couple of bag chips and i got a fucking quiz i don't know oh i don't know why but it just turned out this way um all right so first bag chip and this is just a one-liner. The live-action Minecraft movie mm. starring Jason Momoa what? comes out on April 4th, 2025. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no. That's a lot no. to take in. I know, it's a lot. But that we're just going to... That's it. That's all of it. That's all the news I have surrounding can, that particular chip. Can, can you hit me with the date again for that one? April 4th. 2025 two years okay okay two years for some reason i thought you meant this year and i was like bracing for impact um, <laughs> no isn't it past that now yeah it's it is i thought you said april 24th and i was like, oh yeah. oh sure sure yeah, yeah um yeah so that's a thing like okay fair enough um what else we got here oh uh update on the microsoft acquisition so CMA that, uh, I mean, I mentioned it ages ago now. So if you're just like starting to listen to this podcast, this is completely cooked for you, but whatever. Um, basically the competition and market authority for the UK, um, was putting up a barricade, uh, with all these concerns around Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard because they don't like monopolies and they're pro-consumer and blah, 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 mm. blah, blah. Um, so they've done a 180. They're like, oh no. It's all good. They don't intend to limit choice or access to players on other pl platforms. That's it. It's all good. Do, <laughs> do what you like. Um, uh, and Sony was like, this is bullshit, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's it. So that's where it's at. That's where it's at. So, yeah. And one of the, I remember one of the things we were criticizing during that episode was that all of these contracts Microsoft has been getting people to sign, like, so you know, Call of Duty is going to be on Sony and blah, 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 blah. Like, they're only 10-year contracts. And, yeah, I, I just totally feel like that's a really short amount of time when it comes to this kind of thing. And so, yeah, wouldn't it be interesting, like, if, if this acquisition goes through, which this doesn't mean it will, but this was one of the major barricades. Yeah. Um, if this goes through, it just means that, like, after 10 years, like, Call of Duty and WoW and, you know, whatever could just be a console exclusive or PC exclusive. So weird. Mm -hmm. Like, what happens to all the save games and stuff for some of those, you know? I guess 10 oh. years is a long time for those servers to even stick around. Well, I don't know. 
totally. We're living in a weird time. We're living in a weird time. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take things up a notch here. Uh, oh. mem remember, <laughs> I'm still thinking of Jason Momoa as a square Minecrafty character in like a you know hyper real Minecraft land. That's what oh, I'm thinking of. I can't dude. stop thinking about it. Live action Minecraft? Like what the fuck? That? Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, have have you seen the Mario movie? Is that out yet? It is out. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to probably go see it next weekend with Jamie's little sisters. Right. There you yeah. go. So, like, I've, I'm really curious as to what that's going to be about, because, like, I guess it's going to be Mario saving the princess, hey? I mean, it couldn't be about anything else, could it? It's actually... It's, I think it's about Mario saving Luigi. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'm pretty sure Bowser kidnaps Luigi in this one. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I would, I would love if they followed that uh, line of thinking up with a game. Um... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my brain is doing weird things. Did I talk about the cinema experience I had watching the D&D &D movie last time we talked about the D&D &D movie? I can't remember. Uh, I mean, you just said it was better than bad. Okay, but I didn't talk about the cinema. Okay, so, dude, there's a cinema in Melbourne when you move back to Melbourne that is supreme. Um, oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's obviously no Thornbury Picture House or whatever. Like, that's that's mm -hmm. where the, the vibes are at. But if you don't care about vibes as much and you just care about going to a cinema that's mostly open, oh, sorry, mostly empty, the oh. the Docklands has a Hoyts and there's, like, mega screens there and it's also cheaper. Oh. Like, instead of whatever it was that you'd normally pay for movies these days, like $25, nearly $30 for a ticket, it was, like... 18 19 dollars for a ticket to the mega screen to go and see the D, &D movie and there was like five other people in the cinema wow. it was so good that's awesome i mean yeah. that might be more about the D, D movie than the cinema though maybe maybe <laughs> have you been to the cinema before no but i have heard this from other folks as well that oh, say it's okay. a great place to go and see a movie so i have to you know double up on the um or maybe get some more sample size but yeah it was it was good Hell good. yeah. Yeah. Well, oh man. One of the things I miss, cause like I'm going to the Hoyts here mm. and, um, I gotta say the Aubrey audiences are so fucking cute. I love them. They're like <laughs> when the trailers show, they laugh at all the yeah, terrible yeah. trailer jokes. And yeah. I just, I'm kind of here for that. Um, but I do miss that really like intimate, you know, like cinema Nova, Thornbury picture house, palace theaters, like that fucking, completely packed cinema with like people having reactions i just like mm. having watched a lot of movies by myself in the last couple of years i'm i'm really fanging for that experience again yeah when i was um at this the hoyts in melbourne central for john wick everyone clapped at a certain point in that movie um <laughs> yeah featuring the dog and i was like we're not doing this we're not clapping in a movie <laughs> uh... <laughs> come on you guys Oh I, oh, I love that shit. Yeah. I love that shit so much. Um, yeah, I actually, there is a bit in John Wick 4 where I tried to clap, but, like, uh. there was, like, 10 people in the cinema, and, like, we were, we were in this weird cinema. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, like, apparently the main one in Albury where, like, there's only one... All right, let me break this down. We're going yeah, way yeah. off topic, but whatever That's the right. fuck. So, like... There's, there's only one area for seating, right? And it's it's up the top. It's oh, like cin a... Cinema One. Sorry? Cinema One, yeah? Yeah. 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 
but you can only sit up the top. And so yeah. like I was sitting above the screen Yeah. and it was terrible. Like you're yeah. sitting above the screen and the sound is not directed at you. It's like directed at the seating below you, which <sighs> isn't available. It yeah. was, it's a very strange cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that one. Um, I don't remember it being bad, but maybe it is bad. I could just have like, you know, I mean, I haven't been there in years, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, so. I mean, Phoebe really liked it. Cause like, you know, she went there as a teenager. She was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this is the shit. I'm like, this is terrible. Why would yeah. you want to sit above? Like, you're sitting above where the screen ends. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You know? Can you really not see the bottom of the screen from up there? Oh, no, you can see the oh, whole okay. screen, but you're okay. you're physically above where the screen ends. So you're looking, like, down. It's kind yeah, of like right. you're looking off a mountain at a movie. It's, <laughs> it's very fucking weird, dude. Like, I, I, I know you Aubrey folk love your cinemas but you got some weird habits over here yeah look uh i have fond memories of cinema one but it, it could be that you know yeah country kid thing where it's like you remember it fondly just because you grew up there <laughs> don't don't let nostalgia win joe yeah it wins too often anyway sorry you were telling me something um <laughs> sorry. look uh, no it's fine i can't remember that shit either i got a quiz for you yeah quiz that's right yeah yeah Give me um, quiz. all right so I have here the top 20 games that have been played on the Steam Deck as of March 2023, and this is this is ranked by hours played. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so what, what I wanted to do is maybe, maybe give you a five shot. You know what I'm saying? I got 20 games here, and uh, I'm going to give you five chances to guess the number one game. Oh, the number one game? Oh, my God. Okay. Um, let's see now. Minecraft. Incorrect. Okay. Minecraft doesn't even place in the top 20. Oh, wow. Um, what's a video game? Have you seen, <laughs> have, have you seen that video uh, of the, it's like Jimmy on the street and he's like, he goes up to a random woman on the street and he's like, name up for, for $20 name a woman and she's like uh uh he's like name a woman she's like uh <laughs> that's how i feel right now it's like name a video game a popular oh. one and i'm like oh, oh, I, I can't um man i don't know dude i, I honestly have no idea like wow, this this was the wrong time for a quiz <laughs> yeah yeah um the witcher 3 fantastic crack that's that's about halfway on the list. You know, this is a top 20 list, but they didn't fucking give you numbers. They've just got the little dot points. So, like, oh. The Witcher 3 is about halfway halfway down the list. So, it might be in the top 10. Okay. Um, um, yeah, look, I mean, you're going to have to give me a couple, <laughs> of, a couple of hints. Can you give me some other games that are on the list? Absolutely. Okay. So, like, Resident Evil 4 is number 20. Okay. We got Slay the Spire coming at number 18. Okay. Persona 5 Royale, number 17. We got, like, we got fucking Binding of Isaac in there. That's at number, like, 13 or some shit. Wow. Is Cuphead on there? Mm, no. Okay. What about Apex Legends? Dude, you are bad at this. No. Um... <laughs> none, none of those games are on here. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> 
<laughs> why, <laughs> why do we host a podcast about video games? I We're know so, nothing about them. <laughs> We're uh, so bad at this. Is Disco right. Elysium on there? Uh, no. Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, Cult of the Lamb, that's got to be on there. <laughs> it's not on there. No way. Okay. All right. Hit me with the, the top three, I guess. All right. Top three. Number three, Stardew Valley. Oh, fuck you. Okay, fine. <laughs> Number two, Elden Ring. Oh, yeah. All right. Number one, Hogwarts Legacy. Oh. Disappointing. <laughs> I, yeah no. and like it is worth saying vampire survivors is number four which is pretty fucking yeah, epic right. yeah yeah what a spread though you know like yeah the stardew valley little farm game from 20 million years ago and and then hogwarts legacy the biggest newest video bopper on the planet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. and like it's funny looking at these lists because a lot of my favorite games are here because mm. they're like also good switch handheld games like dead cells is here hades mm. slay the spire i feel like those games just lend themselves to um portability so well i mean that's a pretty good list of also just good games you know like discounting mm. games that are like maybe aren't that good on my list you know like, i haven't played harry potter i've heard it's okay but yeah um yeah i don't know totally great list of games the only game i haven't heard of that's on this list is a game called brotato i've never heard of brotato <laughs> well we'll never know what what that is um all righty well speaking of segues i got a potato for you today no we got a topic here okay um and it's a fucking massive one i'm gonna i'm gonna talk to you about world building and this episode i'm gonna fucking bring it we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot all right we're gonna all cover right. soft versus hard world building oh wow we're going to do, uh, which, which is like, you know, it has been a thing in literature for a really long time, but is now applicable to video games. Um, we got immersion, cohesion. I'm going to talk about visual storytelling. Um, and one of the like big cruxes for good world building, I'm going to talk about good exposition versus bad exposition. Because um, that shit makes a big difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm making a big mind map on my bit of paper right here. Off you go. <laughs> Ready to follow along with you. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So I thought it'd be cool to talk about like the first time world building as a term appeared in relation to video games. I love it. Take uh, me back. All right. So we're going back to the 90s, baby. The Super Famicom Reign Supreme. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. So... Uh, it actually first appeared in, like, two books uh, talking about video games. Mm-hmm. So we got a book here from 1993 called Playing to Win, Becoming the Champion, which wow. is <laughs> like the most nerdy fucking title I've ever seen. Such um, a, like, a parental version of the, you know, it's like, are you winning? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, that is the feeling I get from that book title. Yeah, so uh, David Serlin wrote this book. Um, they discuss game design within it, and they mention world building as an important aspect of creating a compelling video game experience. Got it. Uh, so that's that's kind of the first time it appeared. The second time it appeared was in a 1995 book, The Art of Computer Game Design. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this is by Chris Crawford, and he basically says that the importance of creating a detailed and immersive game um, is in the world design. Um, it's in the world building of the game. So, like, how they explore and interact is the world building, and that shit is really important. Right. Okay. Uh, um, and that was, like, that was cool. I was like, all right, not really what I expected. You know, I was hoping there would be specific games that were mentioned when it came to, like, oh, that game has sick world building. Yeah. But, yeah, these these two books were, were um, really the first times that term appeared. Um, the first time the term was used that I could find uh, in relation to a specific game was in 1996. Um I would ask you what you might think the game could no, be, but no, I know we're not going to do that. <laughs> so I'm just going to plow ahead. Mario 64. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Blizzard North's lead programmer, David Brevik, talked about Diablo's design process in Computer Diablo. Gaming World magazine. And, uh, yeah, he talked about world building. And, again, he talks about a cohesive and immersive game experience. Um so you know that like we we talk about world building a lot when we mention cohesion and immersion right like back on when we did that episode on immersion i remember talking about world building as subjective immersion because it's something you have to experience um and so like that kind of ties into like the whole expository thing right like being told about the world in exposition doesn't do nearly as much as like meeting someone in game and hearing them talk about how fucked things are. Mm. Um, so I got, I got a couple examples here to maybe, to maybe expound upon that. Mm. Um, so uh, like for me, Hollow Knight and Dark Souls are like really good examples of games that establish strong world building philosophies right off the bat. Right. Like the tutorials are baked into the world itself Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a really clear distinction for me. Like the characters only reference the world when they talk. There's, there's no like, I don't know. There's no fucking dialogue where the characters like press A to scratch your gooch. You know that shit doesn't appear like it does in Zelda games. Like when I'm playing Zelda games, I'm like, I am playing a video game. You know right, what I mean? Right. But with Dark Souls and Hollow Knight, I can just like get fucking lost, and we get that like suspension of disbelief that that we talked about in that episode from ages ago um and so that like exposition also can um like work with visual storytelling to kind of double down on the world building effect so like visual storytelling plays a pretty big part but it's not strictly a world building device right so like um in aliens there's that scene um minor minor spoilers for like the first 15 minutes of aliens but there's that scene where you see um ripley sitting with a cigarette and she's like just found out you know she's been floating through space for 57 years and like her daughter has passed away from cancer you know like all this Mm. like full-on shit and she's sitting there with her cigarette and the whole cigarette is nearly ash. Like it hasn't been dragged on, you oh, know, yeah, it's like yeah. she's yeah. been sitting there for ages. So that's like, that's sick visual storytelling. That's really good. Cause like it gives you an insight into like what her character is experiencing at that moment. Um, 
so in contrast, we got Dark Souls, right? Like you, you fly, you do the tutorial bit and the crow picks you up and you land in the filing shrine and you meet that dude. Um, and I, I had to Google the dude's name because I didn't know what his name was, but his name is the Crestfallen Warrior, apparently. Right. Um, and he's like, let me guess, fate of the undead, right? Well, you're not the first. And, and that's world building. That's, that's like, all right. So I'm in this, I'm in this, like, they've, they've told me that this has been attempted before Mm. and, and it's like part of the world. Right. Um, which I guess is kind of similar to like, um, I don't know, maybe Dead Space 2 where you like find audio logs or you find things to read and they're about people's experience in the world and that that kind of adds to your own experience, right? This guy's been sitting there for ages and he's like really discontented and he's sad and he's like, you're not the first motherfucker that that crow's dropped off. That's interesting. Um, There's just a little thought thread there. I'm going to pin it for later, but audio logs being world building is a, I feel like that's kind of maybe a little bit of a contentious one, right? Because an audio log is just like, or like a, Bit of, bit of like a diary that you find mm-hmm. is kind of different to a living person that's in the world to a certain mm. extent, you know, like that guy for all intents and purposes is an audio log, right? <laughs> yeah, Until you okay. punch him and then he turns into like something, but he's like, a, he's, if you don't ever punch him or don't know that you can punch him, then he is just an audio log. I suppose so, but generally for me, and I think the audio log thing is way more contentious than it used to be just mm. because it's been overdone. Right. Um, like, you know, when I think about audio logs, I think about Dead Space 2 and, like, yeah. I think about Bioshock and yeah. I can't really th- think of any other games I've played that use audio lo- logs like those two games. Right. In, in, the, in Dead Space 2, they're really sparse, you know? Yeah. They don't they don't get slammed down your throat, and they're usually... I mean, they usually are a world-building device. Like, you walk mm. into this room, and there's, like, a co- two corpses on the bed, and you get an audio log of, like, a couple taking too many sleeping pills. And, right, right. And that's world building. You're like, holy fuck, this situation was so intense that they committed suicide rather than face the situation itself. Yeah, I, I just feel that there's like a, a layer that happens when you have something like an audio log or a diary that is less impactful than just seeing it and interpreting it. You know, it's like if the audio log wasn't there and you just happen to be in the room and see the two skeletons on the bed and maybe mm. if you looked on the bedside table, you could see the the pills. You could infer that that is what has happened. You don't mm. need the... It's like a show-don't-tell thing, you know? Right. Like the, the, the cigarette being in Ripley's mouth having not been smoked at all is the showing and not the telling. You know, she could have sat right. there and talked about it and, like, been an audio log, but mm-hmm. the cigarette is telling you everything it needs to tell you in that instance. A hundred percent. And that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. I guess I wonder, I wonder because audio logs are generally optional, Mm. like you walk into the room, you see the two corpses, you kind of can tell straight away, you're like, oh, you know, they probably did themselves in. And I think The Last of Us does the same thing, except that there are no audio logs. They're usually notes or whatever. Yep. Um, so yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe audio logs isn't like, 
strictly a world building device, but more of just like, I guess the world building is the corpses and mm. the audio log is the story. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's like supplementary reading almost, you know, mm. it's like we've already given you kind of like the world you're in it, right? You're living in the world and you're experiencing everything, but maybe you need like, and it's it's like not a bad thing, you know what I'm saying? It's like kind of some, sometimes it is nice to read the the note that was left behind in, in Last of Us Part 2 or whatever to see what mm. actually happened in the house because it gives you a little bit of extra context or information that you might not have got just by trying to piece stuff together and... You know, that's nice. That's that's yeah. good. Yeah. And a lot of the times, because it is a video game, it, like, rewards you. You know, it's like, oh, fuck, this sucked. We took some pills, but the code safe is... Oh, know, like... yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I'm is so the fucking... Glad. <laughs> we wrote out the code safe. I oh, know. The last yeah. thing you'd be thinking of in that moment is the fucking yeah, code yeah. safe. The safe yeah. code. The splices are at the door. I hope they don't find this note. It's got the code safe on the back. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but one example I had here where where everything comes together real nice is in Hollow Knight. Um, so you're make, making your way through Hollow Nest and then you come across the Mantis Village. And it's like, the I think the first place you come across that... Um, where the bugs aren't infected, you know, they're, they're of sound mind and, um, you eventually fight the mantis lords and after you defeat them and you, and you don't kill the mantis lords, you just beat them and they kind of bow to you. And then mm. you're, you're welcome in the, in the mantis, uh, town or tribe or whatever. Um, but yeah, so they bow to you and then they let you through a locked door and there's like a bunch of dead bugs and all these spears outside the entrance. And it's the entrance to Deep Nest, which is like this super fucked up part of Hallow Nest. But I just thought that that was like really strong world building for me, where like the Mantis Lords are guarding the entrance to this fucked up place. You have to like fight them, you know, you mm -hmm. have to interact with them. And then when you like go through the door, you see that like, it's kind of that Dark Souls thing, like you're not the first, you know, there was mm -hmm. shit happened here before you, like this, this world is lived in basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's great. I love that. Great example. Um, and shit, man. I mean, now we're shit. talking about Hollow Knight. I might just, like, <laughs> pile on a little bit. Like, the first few hours of that game are just incredible when it comes to world building. Um, like, you find Myla mining in Crystal Peak. She's like, dude, all these gems are just sitting here. Like, no one stops you. You can just mine gems for as long as you want and like immediately you're like okay you know there there are prospectors in this land and this one's probably not gonna end too well um you like go to the temple of the black egg which is like one of the first places you go and quirrell is there and he's like wondering about the origin of the black egg um and actually just as an aside that i thought of that's a really card line to walk sometimes with video games where you have characters referencing the world you know like if um i think it works with hollow knight but in a world where it might not work it's like you speak to this character in a video game world and they're like whoa isn't this world fucking crazy you're amazing and you're like all right video game developer like stop patting your own back yeah yeah um, and I think we see a little bit of that with like all the quippy protagonists from like, 
that game you played that you talked about a little bit, Atomic Heart. Oh where, yeah. Where you just like it's just it, it like it's immersion ruining, right? Like it just pulls you out. Um, so yeah, Hollow Knight, really good example, um, for me when it comes to world building. And, and one of the things, um, that I like, uh, I liked what it did when it came to finding the characters all over the map, you know, that Dark Souls age old bullshit thing where you speak to a character three times and then they go to another part of the map and like, they stay at that part of the map until you like interact with them or like if you do something, then you miss that interaction and it like screws up their quest. Um, yeah. Yeah. That isn't, that isn't the case in Hollow Knight. Like it's not linear like it is in Dark Souls. And like, I know Dark Souls isn't strictly linear, but like all those quest lines are like, you have to talk to them here and then talk to them here and then talk to them here. And like in Hollow Knight, they're just all over the place. Like they're kind of wherever <laughs> you are when you're exploring and like, that isn't obvious to you the first time you play, but when you played a lot and you kind of see behind the veil, I just thought that was a really cool um, change that they made because they're obviously inspired quite a bit by Dark Souls. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, I'm just going to fucking barrel forward. Uh, one, of, one of the other games that I really wanted to talk about was Disco Elysium. Yes. Um, and, and like, yeah, like... It's it's interesting though, right? Because like, I love this game for its world building, but it relies on a trope, um, to deliver the world. So yeah. like, your character has amnesia, um, so everything is new to you. So like, it's it's kind of overdone even that trope, you yeah, know? Is, like yeah. <laughs> like your character has amnesia, um, but like i i don't know somehow they make it work like it makes sense that you ask questions and you're inquisitive because you're a detective mm. um it makes sense that like the type of questions you asked are unhinged as fuck because you're like a drug addled centrist with no memory mm. um and like i think this is an example of good exposition um, and, and it works well in a world building context because both the character and the player want to learn about the world at the same time. Right. Yeah. And I think this is something that movies fuck up all the time. Like, do you, do you remember that scene in Interstellar where that dude is explaining what a wormhole is to Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. So, like, Matthew McConaughey's the engineer. He's the dude currently <laughs> piloting the spacecraft. Like, that guy unquestionably knows what a wormhole is. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's bad exposition, right? Yeah. That's, that's exposition only for the audience. And, like, it doesn't build the world at all. And, honestly, like, it kind of does the opposite. Like, mm. we were talking about before, it ruins the immersion because you just, like really this guy doesn't know what a wormhole is like even yeah. if you don't know what a wormhole is it's like come on like this dude of all the engineers on earth was chosen for this mission and he doesn't know what a fucking wormhole is this far into the mission like they're <laughs> they're flying towards the wormhole right now <laughs> uh, anyway movies do that shit all the fucking time and mm. it always pisses me off and um, it doesn't take much to make it work, right? Like, it just has to make sense in the context of the characters, and then you're home free. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't know how long I've been ranting. That was a good uh, one. I was, I was, I was with you. I was with you for that rant. I, I'm just <laughs> silently agreeing. Yes, the wormhole scene sequence was very bizarre. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, all right, I kind of want to pivot to to soft versus hard world ah, world building, if that's cool. I was about to ask about that. I was wondering what the difference was. Tell me more. All right, all right. This this is cool. So I did like, um, I've I've researched this on my own previously because I was really interested in like what the differences are. And honestly, sometimes I still uh get it wrong a little bit because it's not like it's not black and white but let me let me break it down as best i can and right. and give you some um well-known examples all right so we'll start with software building um software building basically establishes basic rules and concepts for the world mm -hmm. but leaves heaps of things open to interpretation mm -hmm. so like Soft world building prioritizes characters and storytelling over the world itself. Mm -hmm. um, some examples I got here is uh, Discworld by Terry Pratchett, okay. um, which is my favorite series of books. But, like, it doesn't explain how it is. It just is. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that world is um, flying across the universe on four elephants on the back of a giant turtle. Right. And it it doesn't explain that. That's just how it is. And then the story continues. Yeah. So that's soft world building. Um, and I, I did Google some more examples because I wanted video game examples. And apparently soft world building is Elder Scrolls. Um, but I haven't really played any of those games, so I can't really comment on that. Oh, um, right, right. Yeah. But Okay. But maybe I explain hard world building and then it all yeah. fits into place. Sounds good. All right. So hard world building is more structured and detailed. Um, and that's like basically the difference, right? Is is soft building is like just here's the thing. We're not going to explain it. And yeah, here's hard how world things work. Sorry? And then the hard is like here's how those things work precisely. Right. And it's like those those things are generally there to create like a rich world so like in hard world building you can find like history and politics and cultures and that kind of thing yeah um so like did you ever read that um that book i lent you neuromancer no i haven't read it yet right so that's like that's like a hard welding hard world building book yeah. Um, as in like, you know, the characters are fine and blah, 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 but it's really about like the richness of the world and how everything works and how the corporations came to like own everything that makes it really riveting to read. Right. And does it go into that detail in the novel? Like do you actually have that stuff explained to you? Then? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And so like, um, I mean, it kind of comes under criticism a little bit. Like, I mean, probably the most famous hard world building book is the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I was about to um, say, yeah. 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 So like it comes under criticism cause like there's a lot of descriptions, right? Like it's really, f excuse me, flowery descriptive writing. Cause they're like, you know, they want to build up how big the world is. So when you've got your little hobbity dudes, like going on an adventure, like that's a really big fucking deal in this world. Yeah, and yeah. so they spend a lot of time 
um, you know, building that up. I, yeah, look, I definitely prefer it because every now and then I'll like pick up a fantasy book or a sci-fi book or or whatever, or even he- just hear about it from people that complain about some soft world building because it's like, <laughs> you know, the first few pages of the book are like, um, I'm glad I had my Spangular helmet because on the first day of this, sh- this you know, cycle, I was, <laughs> I was slated to be put onto the board for the membership of the razor side mambo <laughs> mambo chambos you know like and you're just like none of this means anything to me you know like and you just get like a general sense of like the feeling of the character but not not any of the why and so you're just right. like oh i guess i'll keep reading like i maybe it'll make sense and then like four chapters later you still have no idea what a, a, a grambangular is <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um i i think like a lot of the soft world building things I love are, mm. are comedies, you know, like yeah. it, the, the like um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is another great one, um, and you know that like famously has that line around flying, and it's like everyone has the potential to fly. It's the subtle art of mastering falling to the ground and missing. Mm, yeah, yeah, and like that's it. That's all you get. And, and, you know, characters end up flying in those books. Mm. Um, and I think because those books are so hilarious, like, it works in its favour. Like, it comes off as really funny rather than stupid. Yeah. Yeah, um, totally. And I, also, I'm not totally against... Like, I think there is really nice examples of, like, books that... Or, you know, media, medias that do some nice soft world building where it does bring you in slowly. And that sort of, like, you know, initial sense of confusion is sort of paid back you know like you get Mm. that that feeling especially i think it's good in video games like because as maybe especially for people who don't play a lot of video games because there's like lots of concepts that maybe folks don't understand Mm. um about the way that some stories can be told in video games that get um yeah you get some payback by the time you're done with it you're like oh i actually kind of like really dug the way they told the story in dark souls or you know, in Breath of the right. Wild, the way that story sort of unfolds is really bizarre too. Because yeah, anyway, uh, but yeah, that, that, I, I've never, I didn't, I knew that there was two different types, or I, I knew that there were different ways to build the world, but I didn't know that they were called soft and hard. And now that I know the difference, I'm going to use that all the damn time. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to remember with examples like hard yeah. world building, Lord of the Rings, soft world building. I mean, fucking Harry Potter. Mm. um also like every miyazaki film i've seen is soft world building yeah yeah. like how the fuck does Hal's thing actually move around magic the answer is magic just magic yeah yeah Yeah. and yeah like you say of course that's like it's just um like a creative choice it's Mm. not better or worse than you know the other one yeah yeah totally hell yeah awesome Hell yeah. Well, shit, dude, that's all I got. That's my, that's my fucking lectern dribblings on world building. <laughs> lectern dribblings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, there's stuff, this is a tangential thing, but I'd love to return to some old episodes and maybe revisit some stuff because I keep looking at this list every time we go to record, I like scroll all the way down and all the words come up and I'm like, man, I want to talk more about nostalgia like i feel like i have so much more to say about nostalgia and i think this is another one where it's like returning and talking more about how and some npcs are just glorified audio logs (laughs) like i think that's an interesting concept um and how that relates to world building is also i think worth discussing in detail a bit more 
Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as soon as you mentioned that crestfallen warrior dude, just being like, "Isn't he an audio log?" To you, punch him. Yeah. And it's just like that's so fucking funny to me because it's <laughs> like a hundred percent, hundred percent. That guy's just a fucking tape on the ground until, <laughs> until. I mean, but then again, like if you don't punch him, like he goes hollow, you know, because of mm. the world. So like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we should obviously explore this further. Yeah, I, I reckon there are some NPCs in other games that are basically just glorified audio logs. Um, and in the end, aren't we all just all glorified <laughs> audio logs? <laughs> oh my god. I'm so glad I have a podcast to say shit like that. <laughs> That's the only place I feel allowed, allowed oh, to say shit. garbage yes. like that. Some sometimes I confuse this podcast for your 2006 WordPress blog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my Deviant Art blog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. You want to wrap That's it up? That's it. Is that we're wrapping it up? All right. We hope everyone has a lovely weekend, and we'll see you when it's almost the weekend again. Hell yeah! Goodbye, everybody. Bye.